Hot round! Red 7, Red 7, Red 7! Don! What? Red 7! I don't know what Red 7 means. I call it the annexation of Puerto Rico. You don't think that lame-ass play where I run down the field and act like I'm lost is gonna work, do you? Booyah! That's what we call a sack lunch! Nom, 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 nom. Get me the ball. You need the ball. Get me the ball. Get me the ball. That's gonna make the big difference between winning and losing! Welcome in to the 11 Personnel Podcast. I'm Nick Roush, one of your hosts of 11 Personnel. That's Adam Luckett, your other host of 11 Personnel. Luckett, we've almost made it to talking season. This is our final, final off-season podcast. How, how do we feel about the end of the off-season in July? I'm ready for it to be here. I don't know about you. Let's get this thing ramped up and get going. It feels like we've talked a lot. So now let's talk some more in talking season. Well, and th- that's the thing, though. We haven't talked about the good stuff, like the actual talking season, uh, basically throwing subtle jabs at all of our friends around the SEC about how Kentucky's players are actually better than the players at Tennessee or South Carolina or insert player name here i got i got a little taste of it i went on sec mike's podcast uh that is just listen to it yeah and i just i i got my i found my wheels spinning and i just i'm ready to talk all kinds of smack i mean i just i can't help it yeah it's just a calendar you just get you know you get the little taste and you're you're just chomping at the bit to give off some roush takes so, so I was very proud of you. You always you. had to get like three Tennessee digs in when you go on with Mike. Oh, yeah, so. yeah. They got a huge Tennessee following, so I loved it. And you haven't had them in my mentions yet, though, so they probably tuned it off once I started talking about how great Kentucky's going to be. But I got to ask you, so uh, this year they, they're, of course, uh, going to be some COVID protocol stuff. They've really limited the amount of people that can attend. So we got restricted to two credentials. Fortunately, Freddie, he he was he was willing to bite the bullet. He's like, I've been luck it. It's your turn. How how excited, anxious, nervous are we about our first SEC Media Days experience? I wouldn't say I'm nervous or anxious. I'm just excited uh, just to see. It's gonna I, it's gonna be different. Obviously, I don't think they're letting fans inside. Oh, we're not gonna have any just standing in the lobby. I heard Dennis Dodd say he heard that they weren't going to have fans, but we'll see. I mean, it's usually just a dozen people standing around behind a. Uh, well, I wanted to see the guy with the Alabama ring hat. Yeah, on. yeah, uh huh. Um, and all the Stingray other Stingray Steve, characters. Stingray Steve. Yeah. So yeah, uh-huh. that's going to be uh, that. Obviously, obviously, will not be not what I wanted, but I think Bob Holt will still be there, so <laughs> I can check off most everything else. I uh, I do appreciate that it's a week away and you're tweeting out your thoughts on your all-SEC team. So, you, you know, we can call out a lot of folks for not doing their homework when they're submitting their ballots for the SEC, all-SEC teams and predicted order of finish, but you can't say that about Adam Luckett, damn it. No, I um, no, no one's going to poll attack me, that's for sure. <laughs> Is that Gary Parish? Yeah, that, that's his thing. God. Yeah, man, that's got to get a little exhausting. But you know, whatever. Uh, good for Gary for keeping talking season alive in the middle of seasons. But uh, it's exciting. I still have to acquire my Phil Steel. I think I'm doing that tomorrow. 
I, this feels like a week of errands of getting my affairs in order because heck it's the first time been on the road for uh an event in a while too so uh just overall exciting um but before we get there we still got a few things to discuss in the kentucky football front like it we actually have a roster in our hands to look at and examine and it's not august 15th no this is like a month early I don't, I, someone lit a fire under their butt, I guess. Are they, are they just listening to 11 personnel and are worried about our, our mental well-being? But anyway, <laughs> thank you for getting it out early. Very yeah. nice. Very yeah, nice. It really, really is. I, uh, I Just a few takeaways. They've left 22 open, which I appreciate that they're not no, – nobody's claiming Chris Ellis' number. Um, you know, we got Jacquez Jones rocking 10. So – Potentially, Kentucky's linebackers could be wearing five, ten, and thirty-two, which you know, or, or six. I mean, those, those Trevin Wallace is rocking thirty-two. Jared Casey six. Square is sticking with five. Those aren't your typical kind of linebacker numbers. I guess thirty-two, decent amount. I I, I will admit, I, I am the. I love the single digits on the big guys. I don't know. Yeah, if for sure. Like Ox wearing eight is just adorable. Still but, not a number zero yet. No, no, even though that's uh, available, ready to roll. Ooh, here's a, if you want a really hot take from Jersey numbers, Trayvon Morgan's wearing number 87. Moving him to tight end, question mark? <laughs> Chris Lewis, 89. Yeah, yeah. Not I, the best or the most popular wide receiver number, I would say. I'm trying to think. I mean, Alan Daly wore that last year, but who, what good receivers have worn 89? Like, pros or anything i feel like james jones is the only one i can think of play for the packers there had a Keyshawn, little was Keyshawn 89 he was 19 19 i don't man yeah i none really come to mind um i thought i just had one pop in my head but I, for some reason was, I think, Mar- was amari cooper 89 with the raiders he was 81 was he yeah and i'm trying to think wasn't um I feel like there was a Denver Bronco that wore 89 that was really good. Like Ed McCaffrey, maybe? Or... He was 87. <sighs> oh, Sterling Sharp. No, he was 84, too, right? And I think Shannon was 84. Yeah, Sterling was a little before my time, but uh, yes, Shannon was, 80... was 84. Yeah. I, man, well, I wonder if there's just a good number 89 on Google. Let's see, because this is going to bug the bejesus out of me. Because you're right. I feel like the number does – Need uh Mike Dicka, so there we go. <laughs> tight end. <laughs> yeah, it really is kind of a tight end's number. Uh um, Amari Cooper did wear 89. I just looked at it. He, he was it with the Raiders. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I don't he's something dip else with the Cowboys, I think. Hmm. Uh 80 Steve Smith. There we go. That's a good one. Steve Smith, that's the one. There, there, we, there it is. That's that, the one. That's the one we were looking for. We found it. We did it. So the next Chris Lewis is the next Steve Smith. There you go. Pencil it in. <laughs> uh, but uh, did you have any other uh, roster takeaways, uh, Mr. Luckett? No, not not really. Um, I just um, – I'm trying – well, just the offensive line in general, they've spent a lot of roster – or scholarship capital on the offensive line. We've mm-hmm. got 17 scholarship players in Eric Wolford's position room. Plus a big blue wall, a handful of walk-ons. Yeah, that's a lot. Mm-hmm. 
but that shows you where they're kind of invested. And then another place they're invested is wide receiver. They've got 14 scholarship players right now. Counting Devontae Ross, who's yet to report. But, but yeah, th- those are my two real takeaways. Like, Mark Stoops gets the rap is probably like being a defensive head coach and people like having budding in on the offense, yada, yada, yada. But like when you look at how they spent scholarships, they've got 46 scholarships on offense and 39 on defense. You play a handful on special teams. So it's they've leaned a little bit more to offense. Well, uh, it's almost this roster. It's almost like he can't he trusts the quality of his defensive guys. So they're spraying the board a little bit elsewhere. Right, get more swings at the plate on the other end. You did mention Devontae Ross. I know there was uh, a little bit of concern. Uh, he is the only guy without a picture in his bio. So, I, you know, I actually had somebody uh, outside ask me what his deal was. But UK expects him here in August. Uh, so, I don't know. We'll see. Uh, that's uh, – I don't think it's going to be like a Lynn Bowden situation where we're sweating it out quite like we were back then. But um, we'll see. I know that it should be easier now if grades are an issue because of the COVID stuff. Like you don't need a test score to be able to to get in anymore. So hopefully he has all that situated is here in campus on time. One other I wanted to mention, number seven, Drew Barker. His number is going to Will Levis. Yes, it is. Didn't work too well for him, but I want to say. Uh, we have, has Kentucky ever had a number seven that was good at quarterback? Shane Boyd had a uh, kind of a rocky career. Yeah, yeah, it wasn't great. I thought it was Bill Ranzell, but no, Bill Ranzell was number nine. Uh, was he? Okay. Yeah, uh, but you're right. I can't. If y'all got any out there, hit us up on Twitter. He's at Adam Luck at KSR. I'm at Roush KSR. I'm. I wish, uh, yeah, I don't really know of any sevens right. that have performed well. I always it's a popular of, quarterback number two. Yeah, L.A., man. Um, mm-hmm. It's a good-looking quarterback number two. So, um, yeah, uh, if, if y'all got any out there, let us know. But I can't recall any off the top of my head. Uh, I did see where Levis wasn't ranked very high by our friends at Pro Football Focus. I mean, what sort of body? I don't, I don't know how they do those rankings with all the quarterbacks when half of them haven't even played, you know? Yeah. Like, like where, where where are you pulling from? Yeah. I mean, they had, like, I think the, the rating system works like a 60 is average, per se, and Levis's grade last year was like 64.8 or something. So they ranked him just a skosh above average. I mean, so that's kind of where he is. Mm-hmm. Um, But, well, I mean, we'll see. Coach. It was – yeah, it's a good word. Clark Kellogg word. <laughs> it's also just small sample size, too. I mean, we haven't – you know, he's only played a couple hundred snaps so far in his mm-hmm. career, and a lot of that was just glorified wildcat offense. So, uh, I mean, it's a big question. Um, you mentioned uh, me doing the all-SEC research, Nick, and it, there's a thing I keep coming back to. Like I ran through the all SEC teams, and obviously Bama and Georgia are make up a good chunk of those 44, 45 players in the first two teams. Yep. But I had Kentucky with the third most, and I don't think that's homerism or crazy talk. When you just go down and look at some of the guys and Kennard, Chris right. Rodriguez, mm-hmm. Josh Pascal, Dare Rosenthal, Corker. Yusuf Corker, right. 
I, I just I don't think it's it's super crazy that they have you know, they could they could have five or six guys or they should have five or six guys show up on the first and second teams down in Hoover. Wandale Robinson. Wandale was another one. Yes, and then um, Fortner is a guy I didn't include, but you could include him on the list. Like one of the questions I'm going to ask Stoops while we're down there is see if we can get any intel oh, on Fortner's one. at center. Yeah. And if Which, we do, if I can get that somewhat confirmed, I'm probably going to stick him as my second team center. Okay. So that's that's another guy um, that I think has all SEC caliber. So you look at that, just roster the star power, and then you go over and look at the schedule. I, I just can't get around this fact that the schedule just really sets up super well. I believe you wrote something uh, that's going to go up regarding how Phil still kind of classified yeah. it. But this schedule is it's a great it's a great schedule. When you look at it, obviously, like when you look at it and the helmets are on the on the schedule, your eyes go right there in the middle. You, yeah. know, you see LSU, Georgia, F- Florida, LSU, Georgia. And that's how like, Freddie oh. broke it down today. Just like you've got that gauntlet right in the middle. Right. But the other the the other thirds of it, pretty manageable. Yeah. And you go, oh, that, that must be a little tough. But then you go look outside of it. The three non conference teams they play outside of Louisville are Bad, bad. Yeah, some like, of the worst like out there. Name your score kind of bad, potentially. You go to South Carolina, um, you look at their roster. I've kind of gone through. It's a little, oh, like <laughs> they've got, like, I think their defensive front could be pretty good. Kevin Harris is a good running back. Marshawn Lloyd was a big recruit towards ACL last year. But outside of that, it's kind of blah. Um, Vanderbilt's in a total rebuild. Tennessee, well, I mean, they, they – Tennessee's first 25 on the roster are solid. But after that, if they have injuries come, it could fall fast. And I think Louisville, if anything happens to Cunningham, I think they could be in a world of hurt. Yeah, well, they got um they they don't they didn't need the guy from Nebraska. They didn't need McCaffrey. They've got Evan Conley. Yeah, or they'll just turn the uh Shea Wirtz, who played at Georgia Southern. They'll just move him back to quarterback. That's what I think that what they would do if something happened to Cunningham. But yeah, you just look at all those games in like, and then the road trip to Mississippi State. Those rosters are pretty similar. It's just going to be kind of coin flip game. But like Kentucky could be favored in eight games. Yeah. So maybe nine. I don't think it's crazy if they're favored in nine games. So let's just say they're favored in eight. You know, you go, if you go seven and one, you pull off one upset, it's eight and four. You're going to the Outback Bowl. And you're, if you win there, you're going to finish in the top 25. Like I just think there's a chance there for a good, a really good season. They had the star power, and if they hit on Cohen and the quarterback, which is obviously um, the big elephant in the room, then I think like I think right, the potential right. is there. To, if things bounce your way, you could have kind of like a ten and two season because yeah. because of the schedule. I think you only need to have like a top thirty five type team to do that because I think the schedule sets up that way. Right, right. Like you don't need for things to be crazy for you to be favored in a bunch of football games. Um, if you were looking at the raw numbers, so this is just taking every team, combining their wins from 2020, their win percentage is 39.4. Kentucky's opponents were 43 and 66 last year. All SEC was heavily baked in that, obviously. Because um, the records are a little skewed from the SEC. That's true. Year. Yeah, and that and that was part of Steele talking like the amount of jump from conference mm-hmm. from one schedule to from one year to the next on just how but also it also Louisiana Monroe was like zero and eleven last year. <laughs> right, right. So you so, had that added into, and then the, Louisville was three and seven. Uh, yeah, Chad or 
Actually, did they even count FCS teams? I don't know if he counted the spring. Yeah, but either number. either way, a lot of winnable games um, out there. So uh, I uh, also like thinking out loud about how Kentucky could be favored in eight. You know, like they could be favored in eight games or so. And then when you look at those teams in the middle, just talking out loud about it yesterday, the Florida's got a lot of talent they got to replace. And I know that we give Dan Mullen a lot of benefit of the doubt, but yeah, we, remember how the wheels were really coming off towards the end of the year? I mean, that, that yeah. shoe throwing game really started, things really started to unravel at that point. And I just, I don't know if Mullen has the same gr- uh, grasp, the same hold of his program like he did at Mississippi State. Uh, I, I just, I, I don't, I don't get that vibe. And I also don't trust Emory Jones to be some sort of godsend. He's a guy that's going to be the second quarterback on a lot of those SEC teams. And I don't, I don't see it. That's just putting blind faith into Dan Mullen. I mean, yeah. If, for all intents and purposes, if we're working just at recruiting stuff, Emory Jones should have been playing for Kyle Trask. And he just was too much of a wild card. He couldn't take care of the football. So if you have a, a guy like that at quarterback who's a little loose with the ball, I know Mullen can put him in positions of, to succeed, but you don't have Kyle Pitts. You don't have Katerius Tony, You don't got Trayvon Grimes anymore. That's, that's a lot of talent gone. Uh, and I know that they're always going to have some guys at Florida, but that was a ton of production. So I'm just not quite as sold on – that game especially if you've got a lot of early season momentum kentucky knows that they played this team well and they feel like they, they they've got a lot of confidence playing that football team so that that's another game too that i know that we're gonna uh if you put them into toss-ups or whatever category you want to put in i just i think that's going to be more of a toss-up than most folks think in july now versus the week of the game because i think the week of the game there's gonna be a lot of people talking themselves into kentucky winning yeah, there's a whole Grantham element, too. Like, you go back to the Kentucky game, there was that moment where Mullen undressed him on the sidelines. Mm-hmm. And their their fans wanted to fire him in the middle of the year. And when you look at their team this year, that defense is really going to have to take a big jump forward. If they don't, they could be in real trouble. That's kind of the thing with Florida. Um, they just don't – they're just not recruiting like Alabama, LSU, and, and Georgia. Like, they're in the – they're in between like the 11 to 15 range recruiting wise every year, which is good. But with that, you're going to have, you're going to have some reset years like Penn state just had, right? right. You're going to go on runs where you win 10, 11, 10, but then eventually you're going to have guys leave a little bit too early. And then boom, like you're going to have a year like Penn state had last year. You're going to have a seven and five and eight and four mixed in there. And I think that that might be the case with Florida this year. This might be a little bit of a reset year. We've seen him go more pass happy than he did Mississippi State. Um, but when you look at this year's team, you have to think they're going to get back to some of that r- heavy run stuff, um, a lot of power game that mm-hmm. he did and r- QB run stuff Mullen did at Mississippi State. But Florida's offensive line, it's not built like the Mississippi State offensive lines. Like, it's a lot easy. Like, this is going to sound crazy, but it's easier to recruit, like, offensive linemen to Mississippi State because of just kind of the area they're from Mississippi produces more like caliber offensive linemen more in Florida. That's not like, you're not going to, you're not going to Miami. You're not going to Orlando. You're not going to Tampa to find offensive line talent. No, 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 no. You know what I'm saying? Fast guys. Yeah. Right. So I think that that may be a bunch of corn fed dudes. Right. (laughs) So I think that could be an issue for them this year is just the offensive line play. They just have not, 
um, been great there. They they have a couple transfers starting. Um, that could be and if they can't you know move bodies there on at the line, that could cause them you know some issues. Um, but yeah, like Mullen, he's gonna he's gonna give quirky answers like he always does. He's gonna act like a goober. He's gonna tell bad jokes. And but yeah, I'm interested to see how he like answers some of those questions and kind of what who are the players I guess he hypes up. But yeah, their schedule's tough. They draw Alabama and LSU out of the West. So they've got an they've got an interesting slate. And then I wonder if they have to go for Florida State this year. That could maybe be a little bit of a challenge. Speaking of LSU, Dare Rosenthal officially made the move official last week. Did we were we I think we were was after. Yeah. yeah, yeah. The day or two before it happened. Um you mentioned him on all SEC teams. I'm curious what the thought process will be for folks <laughs> down in Birmingham who were thinking about putting him on their all SEC team before, oh, yeah, maybe yeah. not after. I could see that happening. But we were – I actually was out at – he was working out with Chris Vaughn and Keontae Goodwin out at Aspirations Gym here in Louisville. And, uh, dude, the guy can flat out move like it. I mean, you want to talk about an athlete. He – Whew, it's it, he he's an impressive kid and it's it's one of those things too that you can tell there's a uh, you can tell there's a like all right I'm I'm no nonsense like business aspect to it yeah yeah mm-hmm. very business like in his approach you know a couple workouts a day before he was getting up to Lexington I haven't got confirmation but I think he's in Lexington now so uh, I I'm I'm very impressed with Dare that athleticism is out of this world and I couldn't I couldn't get out where he was going to play or not I really do think ultimately they'll probably end up keeping him at left and Sandarian you know I wonder I wonder if they're going to do a thing where they might switch like field the boundary tackle type thing so they can allow them both to get le- reps at left and right which could b- help both of their draft stock yeah that's a good point yeah, I hadn't thought of that. Because uh, that could be a kind of way, you know, we're think we're both really good. Um, I think this could be a way to help strengthen our team. So, what do you kind of think? Who do you put on the field? Who do you put on the boundary? Put Dare on the field, give him more space. Yeah, I would say, I would say yeah. so. Yeah, because man, I I'm not so when they when you see guys doing those pass pro reps where they're kind of kicking back in their sets and they're doing shuffling drills i've seen that plenty of times they were also doing this drill like it where it was basically like what the wide receivers do where you're you're cut or not excuse me defensive backs where the guys point in one direction then the other and you're, you're working on turning your hips and stuff right. well it was kind of like doing that except with a blocker it was kind of what they were running through and to put it plainer, they were doing defensive shuffles almost like on basketball. And he looks like a point guard. <laughs> I mean, the kid's a great athlete. And he's probably the first person I've ever seen next to Keontae Goodwin that didn't look like a dwarf, you know? I mean, yeah. just, <laughs> it's like, oh, so this is what he looks like next to other large humans, which, look, we got to plug it. So... Y'all have been watching the the Kroger Hometown Pickup Tour. It's not out yet. I believe it'll be out either Wednesday or Thursday. But Lucky and I, we went out there with B-Roll and had a chat with, with Keontae and Chris Vaughn. And 
Well, again, I'm I'm really anxious, but also kind of nervous to see what my workout <laughs> with Keontae looks like. Uh, yeah, same. I saw it in person. I'm, I, how can the camera help you? That's what I'm going to look for. <laughs> how much help did B-Roll give you? Because Keontae, I was like, all right, man, I, I told him I want you to put me through a workout. And he's like, what? It's like, yeah, you know, it's like, you know, do something that I normally do. And he's like, well, I just do whatever they tell me to do. I was like, oh, yeah, you, come on. We, we can figure something out. And the workout, the, 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 uh, the stretching, the prep for the workout was a workout in and of itself. So he, he yeah. was like, yeah, do this for now. We got to do this for 15 seconds. It's like, what, what? This isn't, this isn't it. This is just prep. <laughs> so I don't know. I, I, I hope you all enjoy it. That, that could be one of those things I look back 10 years from now and say, so that's what I was doing with my life is I was, uh, getting getting my ass kicked by a 17 year old mm-hmm. when they ask you what is it like to be a a sports blogger slash beat reporter you can just show them that video this was a day in the life <laughs> it's not as uh not as comedic as that time that tj and i had a bread eating contest on television uh, <laughs> we, tell we, me you're fat without telling me you're fat <laughs> <laughs> we we were we had a minute left in a show that we were doing for it was a sports show that we used to do i, I hope we bring it back during football season because it was kind of fun it was just 30 minutes of us at zaxby's and we 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 had a piece of their toast they're like all right how fast can we eat the toast in a minute and he of course used water cheating bastard but um man you want to talk about dumb moments oh goodness gracious oh man Oh, well, I, I still think y'all enjoy it. We've got another one uh, that we're uh, taping later this week before we hit the road to Alabama. So should be plenty of good stuff. I, I want to talk about a guy who actually didn't commit to Kentucky like it because there was uh, quite a bit of drama Sunday afternoon uh, before yeah, Jeremiah no Dillon uh, made his decision. Yeah, it was a roller coaster on Sunday for sure. I was not expecting that going in. But, yeah, yeah at the end of the day, he – Mississippi guy ends up committing to Ole Miss. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And now, like, there's no shame. Like, end of the day, there was kind of a dramatic recruitment, but there's no, which kind of came out of nowhere. But there's no shame in losing an in state kid to Ole Miss and Lane Kiffin right now, especially a receiver. Right. So that's, that's fine. But then you look at the board, it's just, why receiver recruiting is just a concern right now, I think it's fair to say. Now, the, they have um, they have a trunk card in their back pocket because Dan Key's the number one overall kid, I think, on the recruiting board. In-state guy. They seem to have recruited him well. And if you get him, it really – like I said with Jagger Burton last year, if you get Dan Key, this class is going to be considered a success. Like, no matter how you look at it, if you get him, you, this was a successful recruiting class. Um, so, I, I still believe that's true. But you look at some of the other targets, and it's not a lot to get excited about, which is – you know, we go back to the offensive coordinator and quarterback. They just have to prove that they can pass the ball, that they can have a modern type offense. I think that's really hurting them um, recruiting this position. I think that's kind of played out in this class. And the way, like you said, the way it played out too, there was there was a lot of behind the scenes drama over at KSR because. You know, I'm not saying we're seasoned old salty dogs like it, but we've been through this a little bit more uh, than usual. And I will say for the first time, it was actually kind of refreshing 
for the first time in years, there was an announcement coming that we didn't know what it was going to be beforehand. Right. I kind of liked it. There was a little bit of intrigue, but what was, what was wild is that Zach was pretty plugged into Dylan's recruitment and uh, even Brent kind of got in on the action and even had constructed a UK commitment graphic for him. And they were both like, man, I think it's, I think it's going to be UK. Like, this feels like UK. The problem is like it is football recruiting. Nothing is ever certain. I don't, you could have all the graphics in the world and they could put out a different one than you expected. I mean, hell, we all remember the Zion one. Nobody had him going to Duke. Crazy stuff happens in recruiting. And uh, this time they definitely, I, I'm sure they learned a lesson like, oh gosh, yeah. You never know until you know uh, in this crazy game oh. of recruiting. Uh, especially in the deep south man <laughs> it can get crazy but yeah I, that was that like i said it was an absolute roller coaster on saturday really came kind of came out of nowhere that um because that had been a real quiet recruitment like that was a kid that didn't really say where he was going to visit and whatnot and then it became like it like it what happened on sunday was back and forth back and forth but um overall i just think Kentucky, like they just need to get out on the field and show they can have a competent offense. If they do that, I think that maybe we could see some targets emerge late, or maybe they could get back in on a guy yeah, like Colby yeah. Albert or something, uh, which I thought was a big. Like I told you when they were recruiting Albert, I said if he joined the class, I thought he would be the second best player behind Keontae Goodwin. That's how high I was on his tape, um, and, and now they're not. Now he there in Kentucky's not in his top three. It just, it just, it just hurts. I think. Like they're, I'm, I'm sure that, that that's being used against them heavily. Yeah. Right now, and why wouldn't it be? Obviously. Well, and and you're you're right. I think for, I think Kentucky did what they wanted to do before the season starts. I know Brandon White up at Cincinnati Mower, he might be a take just based on his speed alone. But I do think for the, for the most part, they need to go out there and show some stuff and. Uh, because especially like consider a lot of the competition for these guys they got like south carolina uh you know they're in competition for key i know they're going to be battling tennessee for some guys when those teams go out there and stink it up when they're absolutely god awful yeah who's going to want to go there who's going to want to play football there so i i think a lot of it kentucky will be able to do favors for itself in recruiting once they they put an improved product out on the field this fall yeah, I think that's that's really kind of how they are as a class right now, I think, in general, not just at receiver. They've got 11 commitments right now. Seven of those guys are top 500 recruits. Andre Stewart is another one who's right outside of the top 500. Mm-hmm. And so they've, I think they've really done a good job so far in this class. It's got a chance to be a top 25 class if they can close strong. Um, but, like, there is some – like, they are hitting kind of a – I guess a wall right now. It's kind of what it feels like um, with some of the prospects they're after. Other guys got one off the board, but as we see with every recruiting class, new new prospects emerge um, into the season, and so that's really going to be my and like if they have a really good year, who what kind of players can they get in on and make a move for? It's kind of what we're waiting for right now. I think there's there's fringe guys out there like Ryan Bayer's obviously a take. They're after Emil Wagner. It seemed like they have a really good chance at maybe getting like the offensive line class is going to be elite. Good, yeah. Right, but edge is an issue. 
like finding an edge player has been kind of an issue, um, unfortunately. And then defensive line, they got to add a couple guys there, and there's real we have no idea who that could be mm-hmm. right now. So there's a lot of unknowns, but I think just as a core, I think they're in a really good spot. It's just can they go out and close strong? And to close strong, it'd be nice if you could have a really good season. If you do that, the class is going to be just fine. Yeah, no, uh, I'm I'm with you. Although, yeah, there there really is a yin and yang of like, man, you could have one of the best offensive line classes out there, but you also still need to get a few other positions. So don't forget about that. Um, yeah, but, and then there's the whole quarterback thing. Like we kind of moved on to 2023 for quarterbacks. Yeah, yeah, I think uh, so. We'll, we'll find out what Parson does next week. But then there's also Chris Fasina just got an offer from Oklahoma State. So competition for him, I think, is going to be really tough. Um, who's like the third guy in that? Because I think they need to find another guy just in case. So who's that going to be? We're kind of, I think we'll find that out during the season at some point. But yeah, it's um, offensive line obviously in great shape, um, but there's some other areas that they need to improve on, and the quarterback is definitely one of the big ones there. Man, like it, I um, admittedly get distracted easily. And Circus Sportsbook had a video of their stuff. And damn it, football can't get here soon enough. That place. Have you ever been there? Yeah, I know you're not a Vegas yet. guy. Not yet. Dude, it, op- it opened – it just opened like six months ago or something, right? It hasn't been open that long. They have this bar. They need a time lapse to go down the entire bar because it's so damn big. <laughs> yeah, I told my wife next time we go, that's where we're going. Man. Yeah. We're staying was, at Circa. We're going to Circa. I can't wait. Man, football, it's going to be here before you know it. I'm not going to be writing about previews and stuff anymore. I'm very much looking forward to it. Iowa State gets to travel to UNLV this year, like week two. I'm so jealous. It would be so good. Like, I'm I'm pretty much against scheduling uh, non-maxion teams in the home and home, but I'm good. I'm good for UNLV, Mark. If you you want to go out to UNLV, fine by me. UNLV should not have really any issues getting home and home series. (laughs) I would not think. Oh, man. So, I got got some news to share with you because it's a big week coming up. Um, The final major of the year. And before we get picks tomorrow, I'm actually going to be out at the Barbasol catting in the Pro-Am. Oh, and wow. I was very disappointed to find out that John Daly is not the pro in our group. <laughs> but Daly will be there, so that'll be kind of neat. Um, and I, I think there'll be some other ones. But I, the man who is not a golf expert, who does not know much about golf at all, We'll be caddying, and I'm very much looking forward to it. I've only have you have you been to the Barbasol before? No, I, I I was out for a day, and I think the first year they had it, KSR got some some tickets, and but it only lasts a few hours because of the rain delay. So yeah, that's hopefully we rain. get good weather, and I'm able to to walk the course, and you know, who are you caddying for? So my, uh, my friend's father-in-law is an SEC official. He, he was on the, he was a back judge for a long time and, uh, now he's in the booth doing replay. Uh-huh. Uh, he's done some big games and he's, I'm, he's made some very big calls. I think some Ohio state fans might still be mad at him from one in the college football playoff a few years back. Um, so, you know, he, he knows quite a few people. He, he's, uh, yeah, kind of a big deal. He, he's pals with uh, Wilbur, Wilbur Hackett. They, you know, they were oh. on the same crew for a while too. Yeah. 
Um, so he, he is one of the amateurs that has been invited to play. So uh, happy to help carry the sticks for him. That'd be uh, fun. May, maybe try to read a green or two for him. <laughs> I don't know how those books work. Um, so I'm just going to kind of be like, you know, it looks like it goes that way. I'm not really sure, but uh, I have no idea how it's going to go, but I'm excited for it. Uh, and I'm excited too for like what's great about that too. Like it is even if you go out to the Barbasol for a day, you don't miss any of the open because the open's over with by, you know, two o'clock or whatever. Right. So I need, I, I do need to know though it's it's your final it's not your final edition of luck it's locks because you're good about staying on it at the other courses but luck it i need some picks baby is it is it finally going to be xander's time i just keep waiting for it to happen i did some digging but no xander is not this year Damn now xander this is a a major like i would put this in the masters for xander's game as like the two most likely for him to win he was, um, but I, think, I think, fourth in the odds. But, uh, like, odds he just – earlier today. Like, this is a Lynx course, and all these – the British Open is usually Lynx-driven. So, experience Which, on these courses, I think, matters. Kind of okay. like in Augusta, experience matters, like playing Augusta a few times. All right. I need you to explain this to me, Luckett, because I feel like – like, when I hear Lynx, a lot of it just means – it. It's straight. Now, granted, it's very windy out there, but I I feel like Lynx is easier. Like, in my brain, it's easier. Why is uh, – where is that gap in experience? Can you can you explain that to me? Yeah, just from, from my point of view, it just – it's not as long, so you can't, like, really take advantage of your driver as well. Um, and then, like, your second shots are really big. Um, and then the greens are they're, they're like mixed greens, like they use different type of grass on the greens. So on the greens, it's harder to read. Um, it's slower in some areas, faster right. in others, and they're right. just enormous greens. Yeah. Hell, I think, I think there's a couple. No, this is probably St. Andrews where there's two greens or there's one giant green for two holes, right? Like in right, that, yeah. yeah, I think so. Yeah, so that stuff's just nutty. Um, okay, well, damn it, if it's not Xander, who's it going to be? Like it. Like uh, this is a second shot course, so like when you when I'm looking at, it, I'm looking for guys that are really good, like with our irons and uh, can really hit greens in regulation. And like Justin Thomas and John Rahm are two guys that first popped off, um, but none of them have had really a lot of success. They've had both had yet to finish in the top ten in the British Open. But a look at Kepka, he's got three top tens in like the last five years out here. He's going off at six. Yeah. He's going off at sixteen to one. He's been really good in the last two majors. This just feels like the time to back him. Uh, sixteen to one's decent value on him. He's been playing better golf. Um, so he's my pick to win this week. Oh. And also, Nick, this is on like this. This it's on the coast. Um, so wind's going to be huge here. Um, every hole is going to have different wind type of stuff to deal with. And then you're going to have deep bunkers that are hard to get out of. A lot of them. That's the kind of a thing with the Lynx course. Mm-hmm. I saw a picture of somebody mm-hmm. like the vantage point of being in one of those towering bunkers, and it had like blocked out almost all of the scoreboard. You can just see the clock at the top. It's like, oh, that's that's not a shot I'd want to hit out of. I I'm just shocked you could go against your favorite player's arch nemesis like it. I. Man, loyalty is dead if you're all in Brooks. You're going to be interested in this. Like I said, this is kind of a 
tournament that Xander could potentially win. Like Bryson is built to win U.S. Opens and the PGA Championship. Yeah. The Masters in this tournament are always going to be tough for him to win because you need shot creativity, and your second shot is probably more important than your first shot than off the tee. And that's not something that Bryson does well right now. Bryson's so, also not a creative. He's very analytical. Right. He's, so, he's, he's the other mind. So I had, I actually locked him in for a miscut, which you can oh. get at like plus 200 or something. I'll have it in the post that goes up later Love this that. evening, Tuesday evening. All right. I, I also would like, do you have any bad, like dudes that have really low odds that, to make the cut? Because, yeah, I got three of them right here. I wrote oh, down for beautiful. You. Because I, this, in your in your little in the pool games that you play, whether it's DraftKings or whatever, if you can just make the cut with all of your players, you're in good shape. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. If you get two that miss it, then you're just yeah, it, you're uphill yeah. battle. All three of these guys are hundred to one or greater that I pulled. Um, two of these guys ranked in the top five in strokes gained approach. That's Russell Henley and Keegan Bradley. Both have had good moments this year. Henley led after fifty four holes at the U.S. Open. Mm-hmm. Bradley was doing well at uh, I forget which one. But. He's had a he had a run there for about a month where he was consistently top twenty in just about every tournament. And then Stuart Sink has won twice this year. I believe he's won a British Open. He's won either a U.S. Open or a British Open before. He's just been he's been making cuts all year. Um, he's at one hundred thirty to one, so you're probably going to get better odds on him. He won the Open two thousand nine. There you go. Stuart so Sink has, also has the Best golfers tan in the yes. history. Oh my god! <laughs> yes, it's beautiful. Georgia Tech alum. Yes, it's so. Those are the three. Um, and then like outside to win, like Paul Casey and Terrell Hatton, both from England. This is a course in England. Um, they both had some success. Um, in some British Opens, and they're both in the top twelve in strokes gained approach. So that's those are kind of the the guys I'm looking at here. Um, Will Zalatoris. He's really good with his second shots, but he's kind of – he's fallen off kind of since the Masters. But he's a guy, I think, maybe to take a look at. But like I said, I, I kind of like to stay away from the guys that haven't really played these events Yeah, before. yeah. Um, th- there is an extent of just not being – the moment being too big. Um, they're, they're, the guys – I always like paying attention to, um, you know, guys like Beef. Which I, I can't even, I, well, I don't even know what his real name is. What's B? Andrew Johnston, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Whenever you get the blokes and the lads cheering for the, for the home, home countrymen, uh, they get really rowdy for him. But of course, nothing makes me happier than just going on British soil and taking it from right under their faces. So basically, I've looked up the links kind of the definition. The word links is derived from an old Scotland, whatever that means. It refers to an area along the coast. So what that's what this course is along the coast that includes sand dunes or high fescue. Um, basically, that fescue is just like the, the tall grass you're going to see that's kind of yeah. in the rough area. It's what so we that, call in the south end dickweed. <laughs> that's you don't want to hit into the dickweed. <laughs> that's what we call not cutting the grass for six months. <laughs> but yeah, uh, and then it just so, okay. Um, uh, it, it makes sense to just uh, being in Indiana's dunes, which are always surrounded by, you know, like factories and, you know, steel mills. Uh, I, I kind of get the natural dunes and all right. All right. So it makes more sense. And it's more about the landscape and less about the layout. Okay. Okay. So when I'm going and playing Sun Valley and there's just nothing happening on the golf course, that's not links. That's just, <laughs> in, that's just being boring as hell. 
with your golf course design. Uh, shout out to all my Valley stationers that get that reference. But um, okay, all right, all right. So I, I, I get that. The, the fairway, when you get deep fairway bunkers mm-hmm. and they're kind of lodged inside, I just feel bad for them. It's kind of like, uh, but you know, these guys, they're good. I, yeah. when when that one uh i forget what the tournament was where they went to like eight teams the travelers they went to eight playoff holes and there was a couple of times where i was just like i don't know how he's even going to get out of this bunker let alone get a shot to make a par and sure as hell they're they're in spot to make a putt to hit yeah him. sometimes they would just rather there are some putts they would take a bunker shot over because out of the bunkers they can get those things they can get the ball within five feet more times than not it feels like this just crossed my mind because it was the last last golf thing I watched. They had a hole during the match where they could only play one club. And watching these dudes, you hit putt with a three wood. <laughs> it was just high comedy. They were so mad. Like, because in some of them had like legit good, sh- like trying to use a seven iron to hit it. I mean, like, it was just asking a lot. Like, Phil had to use a four iron on a second shot to try to get on the green. It comes in screaming hot, doesn't slow down. Brady's got to use a seven iron. And then I think it was a seven iron to try to get out of the trouble. But the putting with the wood was the funniest because that thing just bounces. And like, yeah, you, there's no consistency in speed or whatever. So, mm-hmm. oh, just really funny stuff, man. That, uh, that was good times. Even if your boy was a big fat loser <laughs> or a big fat winner, excuse me. Sorry. There was a different time in my life, Nick, where I would come home from an establishment, turn on the TV and the British open would be on after a night out on Friday or Saturday. Who says you can't do it this weekend? <laughs> no, it won't be happening this weekend. I could just wake up a little early, cup of coffee. You've got golf all day. And then it wraps. I like it because it, it's done at like two or three. Well, you know what? It's going to actually time out perfectly for you because mm-hmm. you could wait until it ends on Sunday before making the ride down to Birmingham. I think that's what I'm going to do. I think that's yeah. the game plan. Probably a good idea. I'm going down early for a little, little family time. My uh, sister and brother-in-law live there. Get to hang out with my nephew some. So that should be should be a swell, swell weekend. Mm-hmm. And podcasts you all get ready for a good chunk oh, of podcasts yeah we're gonna be doing ones daily maybe not thursday i i don't know i haven't decided yet on thursday because you know i don't think anybody's big is going i don't they still haven't sent us a full schedule of events but uh i know there's plenty to look forward to i here if, if you're listening to us right now you're obviously probably already subscribed to live and personnel but make sure you're following KSR's Instagram account, KSR underscore IG, and the Facebook page because we're going to have a lot of stuff on stories where we're just giving you random stuff. I, I've got some fun ideas for content like it, uh, and it's going to be your first time. So as much as you loathe Dr. Pepper, you're going to have to drink some straight from the soda. Fountain. Oh, it's I love Dr. Pepper. Oh, you do like Dr. Pepper? Yeah. Yeah, that's my favorite soft drink. Who, no, it's Freddie who doesn't like Dr. Pepper. It, it, Freddie and Drew are anti Dr. Pepper. Yeah, I don't Wait, see. What? It's the best. Oh, there we go. That's it's what I'm the best. About. Uh, we're going to, ooh, we got to have a Dr. Pepper tally while we're down there. Okay. I'm a DDP guy as well, too. The, I, I don't know. Coffee what in it was. the morning, Dr. Pepper in the evening. <laughs> as soon as you hit a certain age, it's like when you hit 30, you, you shouldn't be playing, you know, sports anymore because you could just blow out anything at any given moment. But, right. 
there's it comes a point where you just ha- you ca- you got to get off the hard stuff. If I drink a regular Mountain Dew right now, I'm gonna have a <laughs> tummy ache. Like it's just my stomach is gonna be like, what the hell did you? The, I, my body can't take this much sugar. What the hell? Right. So, oh man, it's gonna be fun though. Gonna be fun. Uh, we've got some friends down there that hopefully will be. What, able what's to the, connect with. what kind of food am I looking at here, Mister Roush, in the ballroom? Well, see, here's the thing, Luckett, is a lot of times, like, they they don't have a regular, it's not like you're at the football game, they just got food sitting out. You got, like, maybe a daily meal. So, like, there'll be a breakfast maybe one day. They'll have a big reception one day as well. I think that's on Monday. They'll they'll have uh, some, like, Miller Lite draft beer for us at, like, 5 o'clock Monday. So, you know, there are some stuff, but what am I, what I'm actually looking forward to too is that I've never really ventured out and about Birmingham, but since I got some local knowledge now, we'll be able to uh maybe see some the hot sites. spots. Yeah, 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 exactly. So um and I think the Olympics are gonna be starting by then. Am I right about that or is it the weekend? I'm not sure. I'm not sure. We'll we'll have like game six of the finals one night while we're down there. So as long as the Bucks win one more. Yeah, Bucks win at home. Keep this thing alive so we can have some basketball to watch while we're down in Alabama. Um, man, it's exciting. So we'll be back to you. Well, next time you hear from us, we'll be in Hoover coming to you probably from the the hotel doing a little podcasting on Monday. Uh, we're going to have plenty of stuff for you all week long. The goofy, the good, the bad, the ugly, the great, the wonderful, the glorious, and all the above. Uh, We appreciate y'all listening as always. And uh, stick around. It's going to be a great week next week at SEC Media Days. No doubt. For Adam Luckett, I'm Nick Roush. This is 11 Personnel. Go Cats and go Kroger.